At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. Hey, Dream Builder. This episode is powered by Design Crowd. Design Crowd is a website that helps entrepreneurs, startups, and small businesses get creative and quality designs from custom logos to business cards and even web designs. There's a community of over 900,000 designers from all across the world that's ready to bring your idea to life in as little as ours. So head on over to designcrowd.com forward slash dream nation and see what all the hype is about. What's up, Dream Builder? We are back again with another episode. And today we got on the line my brother, Mr. Jonathan El Sasser. Johnny, how are you, my brother? I'm good, Cass, man. I, I love just talking to you. You have such vitality and like life and light that comes out of you. Even through a computer, man, you fire me <laughs> up. <laughs> man, I, I it, appreciate man. that. It's a pleasure to have you on. And I'll tell you, for anybody, the context of how I met Mr. El Sasser was we was on this Pinehurst trip in North Carolina about a month ago, a little bit over a month ago. And it, it was crazy because there was so much vulnerability on the trip, right? And instantly, you know... When you when you meet you, obviously you're kind of the big burly. You got you know like, and you can just tell. I guess the best way to think about it, you know, for lack of a better term, but I I envision like a Paul Bunyan, right? Like you're not afraid to go out in the woods, chop some trees down, all these things. But then when you have a conversation with you, you start to see that like, yo, he he actually might be the biggest teddy bear in a good way right? That you can meet. And so it was that vulnerability of what we started to talk about. And I was like, man, this dude is so dope. And especially the fact that your whole belief and everything is around masculinity and men having masculinity, but then showing vulnerability, it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, how did you get to that? So that's what I'm so excited to talk to you about today. I always love to make sure that I give the proper introduction though. And the way that we do that is I compare us as entrepreneurs, thought leaders, change makers, pioneers, right? To superheroes. And the reason being is because we're constantly flying around the world and for you driving around the world, right? And we're putting on a cape and we're trying to solve some of the world's biggest problems. 
Well, here's the thing. We all know that there's a Superman and that S on the chest is what we see on the outside. But what we don't necessarily know is who is that Clark Kent behind the S on the chest. And so my question to you is we all know who this S on the chest or Superman is known as Jonathan L. Sasser. But behind the scenes, who is that Clark Kent of Johnny L. Sasser? Mm, that's a great question, man. And I love that because the, the question even behind that is who's really the man you're showing up as or the person? Is it Superman or Clark Kent? Was mm. Clark Kent the reality or was Superman the reality? Was Clark Kent the facade, right? Like mm. that's what I really love the question to, to show up as. And I, I think they're one and the same, but they end up becoming dual personalities into how you have to show up into different situations. And for me, the Clark Kent there is somebody who's trying to stay educated on the subjects of helping men, but also using that as an introspection to who I am as a man and how I'm showing up to influence people positively and influence the younger generation. Because really, like that's the future of this world is this younger generation. If we're not giving them a bright light to follow and we're not giving them the right guidance, then we're setting them up for failure. And it's our duty as men, number one, but as adults to be that light for those people. So the future is positive, that the future generations we have look to something successful. So for me, that Clark Kent is just really being the education, the understanding, the empathy, the support for mm -hmm. others. And then when Superman has to show up and do his job, like he's there with the confidence and the structure, and he's there with the force and the power to, to do what's right and to also be a positive light, but using his strength as that positive light. So that's kind of my Clark Kent story right there, I guess, and my opinion of how I see Clark Kent in me. Man, that's so powerful when you talk about, you know, who are, who do you have to show up as? And that was something that I really didn't even think about until probably about five years ago, right? And and this stemmed from the Jim Rohn or even Zig Ziglar quote, whoever first said it or, or came up with the concept, but like you are the sum of the five people that you surround yourself with the most, right? Or you're, you are the sum of how much, how much information that you can take in, but you can apply it. But then, you know, where it got taken a step further was who do I need to become to keep myself surrounded by those types of people. Right. And so for you, my question is when, at what point did you really decide that you were going to take on a journey? Like, was this all, take us back to your childhood days. Like, yeah. what did that look like for you? Cause we want to know how do you get to this point of now trying to help other men figure out how they could be more empathetic, how they could show up in a certain way every single day to be able to empower the next generation. Well, it comes back to like, you know, I'll give a shorter version of this so it doesn't drag out. But my story started at 17 years old, really, when I was getting out of high school and I didn't know where I was going to go after that. Like I didn't do any of my testing for college. I was an amazing soccer player, but I couldn't be scouted by NCAA because I didn't do any of my ACTs or SAT, SATs. So I had nothing going on for me and I didn't know what college held for me. So I was like, I didn't know how to get a loan. I didn't understand you had to go talk to people. I didn't understand you had to go show up and figure out that you needed to talk to like a school counselor to, to like coordinate. I didn't know any of this stuff and I didn't talk to anybody about it. I was really very present in my life, which is a blessing and a curse um, at the time. And so it came upon me through some different conversations. Hey, I'm going to go check out the military. And I had heard about special operations and I had heard about, you know, special special forces are one of the units within special operations. Army Rangers are one, Navy SEALs, Force Recon, Pararescue, all these groups were all part of this umbrella. And I heard about Army Rangers and I really, really loved what their description was of their job. Now, I never thought I was going to be in the military, but I was like, wow, I'm sitting here in a recruiter's office. Well, 
crap. Let me ask him. <laughs> so, right. so I sit there and recruit a 17 years old, 17 year old kid sitting there. And I was like, Hey man, I'd, I'd love to be an army ranger. And they're like, Oh cool. That'd be awesome. Yeah. You can do that. Whatever, you know, saying to get you in. And so essentially I had to get emancipated from my parents so that the army could take me on and I could actually be in there at 17. And then I get to this medical and processing center and, and they're going through that. And I go there and that's where you actually sign your real contract. And at the time we, we had a hot, we were hot in the war in Iraq and we had a big presence in Fallujah. And Fallujah was basically just this major kill zone. There was a lot of U.S. soldiers going down and then they were getting in a lot of gunfights with, you know, the terrorists out there. And so they wanted to put me in the regular army. So I'd go to Fallujah. I kid, I didn't know. And he's like, yeah, you can just, you can get to Rangers after you get to your unit. And I didn't know how anything worked. I was like, okay, so <laughs> sign the contract. Well, you know, fate stepped in and I say fate, but it's not easy to be special operations <laughs> by any mean, but fate stepped in and I was in uh, basic training and I had this drill sergeant, drill sergeant Paul. I loved him to death, man. I believe he's from like North Carolina. <laughs> he was awesome. But uh, one day I was a PT stud. So I was maxing out my two mile run at like 11 minutes and 30 seconds. I was maxing out all my freaking pushups and, and sit-ups and pull-ups and everything. He was impressed. And he was like, hey, Ellis Assa, come here. And I was like, oh, crap, dude, I'm in so much trouble. What did I do? And he's like, hey, Ellis Assa, come over here. And I was like, oh, great. I come over there. Drill sergeant Paul's like, hey, what you want? you want, uh, you want, you want ranges, you want special forces, you want to be a sniper. What do you want to do? And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, you know, drill sergeant, I'd love to be an army ranger. And he goes, all right, get upstairs. So I run upstairs and take off and then come down the next day, get called over again. And I'm like, dude, am I in trouble again? Cause th by this time I hadn't even thought that th this, he was serious about this. I was like, he can't get me a contract. I was like, whatever. He literally calls me over again. Ellis get over here. So I hop over there and he's like, take a look at this, sign it. He turns around, puts his back there. And I signed a contract right there for being an airborne ranger. And from there, the rest was history. I got into second ranger battalion and I served, you know, four combat tours between Iraq and Afghanistan and special operations. Wow. I was a sergeant there. And then I got out and did protection for, for, um, a private company protecting the U S ambassador to Iraq. And I did that for five years. So I spent about 10 years in and out of the middle East. And at this time, I didn't know I was going to help, man. I had no clue about it. Like I had this huge confidence level of me. I'd been doing this since I was 17 years old. I'd been, you know, put in the harshest environments, been, had to persevere over leading men in really, really tough situations, all these other things. And I had no clue about it. Well, I get out of doing protection and I come home and I get behind a desk and I'm working just a desk job. And I, I all of a sudden it took about six months, but I was like, looking around like, uh, what's my purpose now? Like I have hmm. nothing. Like, I had this bigger purpose for 10 years of n something that was much larger than me. It was the flag. It was the people like you sitting across from me, you know, it's everybody, the families, right? It's the, it's the soil we all walk on. Right. That was my purpose for a long time. All of a sudden I lost that. And I was like, Whoa, this isn't feel really good. And then I started to really struggle internally. And I started to struggle with my own masculinity of who I was showing up as, as a man. So I started, you know, just doing, you know, dumb stuff. Like it'd be just getting drunk, looking forward to getting drunk on the weekends and, and calling my brother or going to parties with friends, like at a, at a house and stuff. And just like, you know, neglecting my, my wife at the time, you know, we got divorced, but my wife at the time neglecting her and just having fun with the guys and like doing this and like thinking that was all okay. And then it just started to spiral into this negative relationship with my ex-wife, all this stuff. So to your original question, where did this all start? That was the point. I started to really, I started to wake up in the morning and hate the man that was looking back at me in the mirror. And I was like, who is this guy? I don't even know. And then I was like, whoa, man, 
that's a big realization. I don't even like who I am anymore. This is not, this is the worst version of myself. And after my wife and I had gotten divorced, I started to really see like, I got to make some changes, man, or I'm going to sit here and wallow in a victimhood and think that the world's against me and think that life's supposed to be hard and all this stuff like that. Right. And I was like, this has got to change. So at the time I had a good friend who actually, she's now my wife and she was in the self-development world. And she's like, Hey, read this book. And it was called excuses be gone by Dr. Wayne Dyer. Mm. And it was the first book I'd ever read on self-development. And it was like, he was standing in front of me and just slapped me right in the face. And I was like, Oh, because I had this big chip on my shoulder. Like who I was, who was going to live, who was going to tell me how to live my life and be a good person that hadn't gone and kicked in doors or seen their friends shot or any of these other things or been blown up. And so who was going to tell me that I'd been doing this since I was a kid. So I was like, I had this big chip on my shoulder. And then after I got that slap in the face, after reading the book, it's like, I looked at my shoulder and I was like, well, I got to take this thing off and put that right. down and start to really do some work on myself. So as I started to realize that I was struggling with all those things, I started to realize all the conversations I had with my brothers overseas. And a lot of them really struggled with it too. They had bad relationships with their wives, bad relationships with their kids. They had no close friends back at home. They just drink when they went on a break or they do drugs and all this other stuff. And then they couldn't wait to get back to Iraq. And what kind of life is that? You know, Cass, like what kind right. of life is that? To want so to go anxiety. back. <laughs> right? Like that's not a life, man. And, and so I was like, wow, there was one common theme with all these guys because it was common within me is that men will only listen to guys that they respect their background. And so I was like, well, how can I take some of these tools I'm starting to learn from the self-development world and package that in my background? So guys will at least give me the opportunity to share with them and then they'll listen. And that's when it became clear to me this is what I needed to do. And this is what I was meant to do was to package this. I was meant to go through all these things so I could package these tools for guys to say, Hey, I respect what Johnny did at least to listen to his podcast and maybe start to do some work on myself. Cause if he's doing that, maybe I can do it too. And that's really where this mission came to start helping men because we struggle so much. And we'll dive into that obviously in a little bit, but men just struggle so much in today's society. So that's really where that purpose came from. And that's where I really found who I was as a man and how I needed to show up from now on. That's where it started. Man, that's so powerful. And I love that you shared the whole journey. The first thing that I, that I took away from it, and I hope somebody else does, is you didn't know where your journey was going to lead you when you first got into the military. You were like, yo, I'm just signing my life away, right? I'm just going with this. But you had the faith and you kept walking in my bigger purpose. You're thinking like, look, I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve my country. I'm going to serve my brothers. I'm going to serve my sergeants, whoever it needs to be. And then those things just walked into your life, right? When you talk about fate. So it's like, oh, do you want to be an army ranger? It's like, yeah, I would love to be an army ranger, or at least I have the options. That's what I want to do. But again, you didn't necessarily know how you were going to get there to be an army ranger. You're just like, yo, I'm just going to keep working my ass off. Right. And then what happens all of a sudden this opens up for you. The other thing that I got out of that was it's so important that in your new environment that you still have exposure to a mentor or somebody that's going to challenge your beliefs. Because you said, yo, when I got out, like I was just finding myself drinking. I'm around friends who weren't doing anything. And so I had to expose myself to a different set of people to, again, who did I have to become? And then those different set of people or those friends were seeing like, look, this guy, he's a great seed. He's just in bad soil right now. 
Mm-hmm. Right. He's a great seed, but a good seed can't die or can't grow in bad soil. And that was your now wife that said, look, I got to get him out of this bad soil. I got to get him into good soil and make sure that he's watered enough with books like Wayne Dyer. Right. And and so I love that you said that. And then the final thing was just knowing that, look, I've made it out, but there's still. And even if I would say right now, I'm only a three or four on my journey right? There's still other people that are twos, that are ones, that are zeros, and even negative ones, right? That need to be able to hear this information. Because if I could just change one life through my podcast, through my relationships, and we have the background because they know, like, and trust me because I've been where they've been and I can speak their language. And so for a lot of us, whoever we are right now, if you think about it, you have a unique skill set or at least an experience that allows you to speak the language of someone else, Right. Maybe it's an accountant. Maybe it's not military. Right. Whatever it is. But you can understand that language. And if you talk to those people and you say, here, I'm just here to be an open hand and just continue to serve you. That's how you'll make an impact. And so those are the three takeaways that I got from what you just said. And that's an amazing story and journey. And again, I feel like I'm already richer because you've taught me some things, at least ways to articulate that of how can I put that into my life? So, again, thank you. Yeah, man, it, it's it's so crazy how I got to meet you because, again, you were talking when we first started talking, you were talking about figuring out who you are, right? What are the stories that you've told yourself and what's the traumas that's been caused? And so for you, I'm sure there was a lot of stories that you told yourself when you first got out. But talk to me about how you were able to get out of the lane of feeling like you had to be a killer, right? To feeling like it was okay to show empathy You know, because that's something that you said, like, how do I show compassion? How do I show empathy? But it's a different world from coming from, you know, being trained in a sense killer to then feeling like, no, I can help other people. How did you make the transition? Well, I, you know, one of the first revelations to me, you're probably going to laugh at this, but everybody knows, everybody knows, at least everybody who's had a sip of alcohol knows that dudes get real emotional when they have a few drinks put in them, right? Right. Like most dudes get real emotional. And I see this all the time. And it's really funny because it's like, oh my God, this guy has no problem being vulnerable and opening up to his brothers when he's drunk as heck. But then (laughs) like when he's sober, it's like, yeah, man, everything's cool. I'm good. I'm fine. <laughs> right. Like that's like, everybody's like that. Right. I'm fine. That's what we always hear. How you doing today? I'm fine. Everything's good, man. Doesn't sound good, bro. Right. <laughs> but that's the thing is guys have such a, so I had this revelation of, wow, why is it when everybody gets drunk, they're like cool to like be vulnerable. Like, so ultimately the, the side of us when we're conscious and we don't have that, you know, libations to kind of lower the walls, we're sitting there and we're so consciously guarded because of our insecurities that we're not having real conversations with one another. And that's where we're really making the conscious decision to block our emotions, feelings, vulnerability, and everything else. And I, and I realized also, this was the second realization for me was that I was so, so much blocking my own insecurities because I didn't want other guys to think I was less than mm. less than them that most of us men block those insecurities because of the fact that we just don't want to feel emasculated like wow Cass Cass didn't tell me he went through these things but I told him all this stuff oh man he's looking down on me I'm not a, and we're our worst critics he's looking down on me he's not gonna want to hang out again he's gonna be like look at this guy you know he's a little pans like whatever right these are the stories we tell ourselves 
but that's really what it comes down to. And so those were some of my biggest revelations when I went through this. And I was like, wow, man, like if we're looking at this as men, if we really, really want to be honest with ourselves, it's all about letting each other know we're going through the same stuff because that was the biggest, one of the biggest problems I had. I thought I was struggling in my marriage, in my own mentality, in my own sense of who I was showing up as a man. I thought I was the only one going through that, but I wasn't. Every guy that I talk to, every guy that I'm around, all of them are going through it. None of them are just talking about it. So all it took was one piece of saying, hey, man, Cass, yeah, having a good conversation. Hey, man, I'm really struggling with my wife right now dude, I'm really having a hard time. And like, things aren't going so well and this and that. If I would have just done that and realized that somebody else may have been going through the same thing or may have gone through the same thing. And this is what they did to help them. I may still be in that first marriage and I may have, have made things successful. But at the end of the day, I was so scared to open up just like Mm. most men are that I didn't see the importance of the fact that being vulnerable and open and having empathy towards other people is actually very masculine. The thing is, is we're taught from a Western culture that this isn't masculine. Think about John Wayne and Clint Eastwood and Schwarzenegger and Stallone and stuff like that, right? We watched all these guys on TV. We loved them, right? They were in this environment of being this brooding, manly man, right? But they didn't have to show empathy and support for others and everything else. They just had to be the dominant figure at some point. They had to be the hero who rose out of the ashes. But normal life isn't that dramatic, really. Right. And and the other thing is those guys were designed to be that way to fit in the environment of the movie, but that's not real masculinity, but that falls under what's called the normative theory of masculinity, right? So this is a social soci- sociology aspect to masculinity is the normative theory says that we paint the picture of masculinity within our minds based upon what we see on TV and movies. And we start to look at these men as basically who we're supposed to be. So we end up de- developing this script of masculinity that's unattainable. It's, it's completely unattainable. And we think that we have to live up to that. Well, that's where I was. And that's where I was like, wow, man, this, is, this isn't really masculinity anymore. This is something that, that you, you're not going to show up as that man. But guess what? You get the opportunity to write your own version of your blueprint to develop the man that you do want to show up as, one that's consistent and authentic with you. And that's where I was like, wow, it's time to really start showing that. And it's time to open up. Let me see how this works. So what I did, and I, I love to give tangible tools to people is yeah. like, when I started that, what you do is you just sprinkle in honesty and vulnerability in certain conversations with people that you trust, sprinkle it in. Because as you start to throw one, two, three things out there, four things out there, all of a sudden you find yourself starting to talk about it more and more with more people. And it doesn't make you less of a man. That's a story that we're all telling ourselves. That was the story I had for myself. It really doesn't. The strongest men are the most vulnerable. The Mm. strongest men are the ones because confidence comes from vulnerability. When you're honest about who you are, you become more confident in who you are because there's nothing, there's no veil anymore. You're truly walking around as Superman, not Clark Kent. You're not using the facade anymore. You're walking around full 100% with the big S in the cape and saying, yeah, I am who I am. And guess what? I have all these powers, man. And I can talk to you intellectually, or we can go out and chop wood, or we can have a great conversation about relationships and sex. Like those things are all honest and whatever your insecurities are, they go away. And so when you start to sprinkle that, that's the tangible tool I'd love to give people. Start to people you trust, people that you feel safe with start to let things out a little bit with them and then see where that goes and see how many times you start doing that more and more with other people. 
Hey, Dream Builder, if you're anything like me, you have no idea how to come up with a quality logo or even a creative design. You know that quality is important, but it's not always the easiest to nail down, right? That's where Design Crowd comes in. Whether it's a logo, a website, book cover, or even a social media ad, they have a community of over 900,000 professional designers around the world ready to help solve your creative problem. Head on over to designcrowd.com forward slash dream nation to learn more. And just for being a part of the dream nation tribe, you're going to receive a special VIP offer when you sign up of up to $150 credit. Now, instead of waiting weeks for an agency to pitch you an idea, you'll be able to get a design of exactly what you need within just three days. So again, head on over to designcrowd.com forward slash dream nation and check it out. Man, so powerful, right? Those are something that we can all do right now. Just try it, especially if you have a spouse, right? Man or woman, whoever's listening to this, just try. Because if you don't ever tell them exactly what you're feeling, a lot of the times we're assuming that they can read our minds, right? And that's when things blow up in the end, even if we got a best friend, right? That we're like, yo, he should have known this. And it's like, well, how would he know? You never show, you never tell those things. And then, you know, at the end, that bubble burst. And then you always have to, in the end, apologize apologize anyway, where you could have been more proactive instead of reactive. Because when you go to apologizing, then you're like, you know what? You didn't know. I should have told you. Yeah, well, you had every opportunity. So right now, take that. And if it's something that's deep, deep down inside of you, lead out with something that's smaller, right? Something that you don't feel like you would necessarily be judged on because you know that everyone experiences this, right? So it might just be, hey, man, I'm thinking about leaving my job, Right. And just kind of say it like that and be, and then just see what they say. Oh man, don't leave your job. And you know, something that I've learned and a buddy of mine said this to me and I always take it to heart. They said the fastest way to kill a dream is to introduce it to a small mind. Right. Mm. The fastest way to kill it. So, so think about that. Cause this is the way that you can protect your energy, right. And make sure you have the right environment. If that person says, Oh man, don't do that. You're dumb. If they lead with that, then obviously you know that that's not the person that you want to be introducing your dreams to, which is totally fine. There's somebody else out there. But if they even lead with the, well, why are you thinking that? Then explain a little bit more. Well, here's why I'm thinking it because I was listening to these guys and they were talking about how do you protect your your legacy? Well, you got to have something to pass down. All these other things. And then you're like, oh, and then they're like, oh man, I love that. You know, what's crazy is I've been thinking about starting a business too. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, great. I didn't never know. So I love that you said that. And I hope somebody takes that with the perspective. And I think that that's a perfect segue to the next question, which is a a conversation that you and I had, which was so powerful. But you talked about in the beginning, how you were transitioning to the coaching world and, and, and your wife was transitioning too. And you were first basically given a proposal of joining, your wife was, of joining a big mastermind. And she didn't know if she wanted to do it or whatnot because the finances wasn't there. And, do, and so I would like for you to be able to tell this story because I think for a lot of people, they're in that position right now. We want mentorship, we want coaching, but we don't necessarily know that we have the financial means. What was that story like for you all? Oh man. Well, my wife is is an amazing she has done so much work on her own mindset that limitations, especially financial limitations, she doesn't see them. My wife sees an ambition for something that may cost a lot of money and she tell, tells herself, how can I make more to get that? 
where most mm. of us say, how can I save more to get that? And, and somebody we're both close with, Chris Harder, it was a big teacher for me in this. He said, you have to start rethinking the way that you look at your ambitions and goals. How can I, what more can I do to achieve that instead of saying, how can I take more away from me to get it? Mm. Right. And that's right. the difference between the old mindset of saving and abundance, right? So my wife had this like, babe, I really know that I'm going to grow from this. And if I put the money down to be part of this elite mastermind, I'm going to, to increase my business. I don't know how much, but I know I'm going to increase my business. And it was a big sum. And I was like, well, well, babe, like, I mean, I know that you've been making good money, but like, do you really have, do we really have that money to like throw into a mastermind that we're unsure of what the tangible outcome? So now my man chimp brain came in with the logic and my wife's in this creation mode of I'm going to make it work and I'm going to figure out how to replace it, not only replace it, but increase it. Right. Mm. That's her mindset the whole time. So the conversation was, I was trying to, I was sitting there thinking I was being logical, but guess what I was doing? I was being limiting. I was limiting mm. her. I was, I, I was putting my own insecurities on her. I was putting my own limitations on her. And she didn't want to see that. She didn't want to hear that because she knew her, she knew who her superwoman was. She knew where her power was. She didn't have that block. And so when we had that conversation, yeah, financially, we weren't like, we weren't in a bad place by any means, but it's not like we were freaking sitting there with like 25 K to just throw down and then say like, Hey, yeah, here's cash. Like, no. So we broke it up. And we, you know, we paid it on like two credit cards and then we broke it up and paid off, you know, a majority of it. And then down the road, she paid off the rest of it not far after, but she decided to not have a limitation and decided cognizantly decided not to have a block. And then she created what she wanted. And it was mm. my first true lesson in the limiting beliefs of others, because I was that for her. I was the limiting belief for her. And so when you talked about with the friends and stuff like that, uh, it, it gave me a great realization that when somebody talks about that, like tells you, no, I can't do this. You can't do that. You have to look at them and say, what's your blocks, man? Like, what's your limiting beliefs around mm. this? Why don't you believe that somebody can do that? Because I wasn't born into it because I didn't get the silver spoon. No, everything that's been created, especially in this in, in most of this world, was created out of nothing at some point, right? And so it, it just takes, and this is what I love about the message from the dreamer to the doer is that the dream is only part of it. You still have to act into that. And when you continue to allow your mind to have these limiting beliefs, 70% of what we say in our subconscious to ourselves is negative. This is this is from Dr. Bruce Lipton. He taught he's a stem cell research and he he's probably one of the biggest proponents of, of epigenetics, right? 70% of what our subconscious tells us is negative on a regular basis. So we're mm -hmm. always fighting against this automated system within our brain. Well, if you let that win, then your dream is, is truly just a dream. And it's always going to be a dream. It's never going to be attainable. But when you look at a dream as something that's attainable, then you start to act and do, you become my wife. And then she freaking like, I think she 2X her business that year. And then even, and this was a few years ago, but then we were looking at stuff from last year. She she tripled her income from last year, which she had a high income last year. She tripled her income from last year, this year. The, mm. And I was like, holy crap. And it's just because she's never had a limiting belief that says, I can't do it. She says, how can I create more? That's the question she has for herself. And I was like, whoa, 
that is just, that was a mind flip for me. And that was that switch. So when I hear that story and I love that you brought that out is because most of us are going to allow our negative, our negative 70% to come out when Cass is telling me, Hey man, I'm really thinking about doing this business. Cass, you can't do that. You have all these things going on your podcast. You got your wife, your kids, like you can't do that stuff. Cass, you don't have time, right? Like I'm trying to make excuses for you because I have my own limitations, right? <laughs> like, Facts. That. And we're doing that to each other. But this is where the empathy as men come in, because I see more men do this than women. More men put that, impose their limitations on other people. But how about being a man that is so confident in himself that he's like, Cass, that's brilliant, man. I love that you're trying to do that. This is cool. Let's talk about it. Let's let's have stupid idea time. Let's talk about how you're mm. going to make work, right? Like be that supporter. Don't be the limitation because if you continue to be the limitation, you're going to co constantly surround yourself with other limited belief people and all the dreamers who are going to become doers are unfortunately going to leave you behind because you're bringing them down. And then, and then if I love Cass as a brother and I'm like, man, I wish Cass would call me more. I wish he'd talk to me. He doesn't want to talk to me because I'm always <laughs> bringing him down. <laughs> like he doesn't Facts. want to. Like, and that's a lot of energy taken even from that dreamer. That's a lot of energy for them to hear that and fight with you all the time. So look at being a man of empathy and support and wisdom and counseling and guidance, not somebody of limitations. Man, there's so much power in that, right? And and that's the way that I was just talking about who do we need to become Right. Because that's exactly what it is. If every time I know I got to protect my energy every day, because 70 percent, I'm already protecting my energy from myself. We are. I don't care who you are, how successful you are. You have a limiting belief. Right. You have something to where you want to instantly take an action, but you have something in the back of your mind that says, uh, uh, uh. So you're constantly fighting that. And then all of a sudden, if I find my way to break through and I go to you to be that support system, just as you said, and you're constantly hitting me with that. Uh, now it's like, guys, especially if you're not, because here's the thing family and friends, they can be genuine, right? Or they can be sincere. This is something that a mentor told me. Sometimes, a lot of times they can just be sincerely wrong, right? Yeah. And that's the reality, especially, this is a quote that I have from Jay-Z. I know when I did your podcast, we were talking about the TI song motivation, but yeah. coming back, this is a quote that I have from Jay-Z and Jay-Z is such a power figure in my life. But he has a saying that he says, everybody could tell you how to do it. They've never done it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's the that's the other side of it is because people will be like, oh, no, you can't buy that house yet. They've never owned a home. Right. <laughs> oh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy a, a mobile. I wouldn't buy a, a, a RV and try to travel the country. Those things are, are one. They're gas guzzlers Two, right. What if they break down? You like, <laughs> How many are you don't even own your own car? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, so, so you got to watch where is the information coming from? Because it could be a person that's trying to protect you. But at the same time, innovation is made out of risk, right? Somebody has to take a risk. And if you think about it, somebody risked everything that they had for you to even get to this point, right? That means that there was your, your, your parents, right? Even having you, that was a risk because nobody is ready for parenthood. And I got two kids now and we're not going to go down that path, but just understanding 
that in business and life, it's always risky. What we did in going to meet each other at Pinehurst, North Carolina, especially me, right? Some of the guys already knew each other. But when I first got approached about going, one, it was just like you said, Chris Harder. I had that trust and that belief in him. So for him telling me that, yo, this is a great group of guys, I already knew that the credibility was there. The second thing was I met someone else who instantly empowered me. And that was Kyle Depius, who anybody's listened to the show, you've heard Kyle. And Kyle is another amazing guy that was like, right when we had this quick 15 minute call, I already knew he was about to challenge my mental and my belief system. And then when I get there, right, I was the, I think I was the last one to, uh, to arrive right that night because yeah. I had to drive. And instantly it was guys around that nobody, in my opinion, was trying to boast themselves. Everyone instantly at that table was like, Hey, here's what I've been like. How, how was you guys this trip? Yeah. Well, here's the struggles that I've had in getting here. And so it was instantly like, okay, this is going to be different. So believe in your intuition to one, take the risk, but two, just be aware of your surroundings. And when people show you who they are, respect it on both sides, right? And that's what I think that you've been able to do because you showed who you were constantly, like from the moment. And that was how we built, at least I built the trust in you that was like, yo, I got to build a relationship long-term with this guy. And it didn't matter about our backgrounds or where we came from, because obviously I don't come from military or the countryside or anything like that. But it was about the intrinsic beliefs and the both the vulnerability that we showed but I knew that you were probably going to challenge me in ways that were going to make me become a better man, a better husband, a better father, right? And showing that. So that's what I think more people got to be surrounded by. And I think that you said it in an amazing way. Thank you, brother. And, and I want to attack on something there to that and because I appreciate you. And I truly do believe in the friendship that you and I have built because you challenged me too, because you're open about talking about the things in your life, but you're also open and expanding my mind as somebody else. Right. And that's what we need. Like we need somebody to be like, Hey brother, that's a great idea. But have you thought about X, Y, and Z? And you're like, I didn't think about X, Y, and Z, but now I am right. Like you need people to expand you. But the other thing that you hit on there is that, you know, we can look at things in life. People like to use the term failure and I don't really like to use failure. And the reason why, because failure is only predicated off of an expectation that you did not hit. Well, you set your own expectations. Mm. So if you set a desire for something, but not an expectation, do you ever really fail? No. Mm. What happens is then you flip your perception to say, is this an opportunity or an obstacle? Right. And that's where failure can get rewired in all of us to understand that failure is something that we create ourselves. If you erase that, and you make it a desire, and you look at the things, the struggles maybe that are opportunities. Like I said it before earlier on, like special operations wasn't easy. And the struggles I went through after I left the Middle East would actually primed me to say, oh, wow, I have all these things that were hard that I really enjoyed doing, but were very hard that I can now help other people with. And I went all of that. I went through all of that for a reason. But if you start to look at everything that's coming up, even in the future of your life, I would love to have this and I'm going to do that. Right. But if you don't put an expectation on it and say, I have to hit this, then do you ever fail or do you encounter opportunities? Right. Mm, that's a great perspective, a great way to look at it. And a lot of the times, again, you can never fail if you quit, if you don't quit. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. It's not a failure if you don't quit. 
right? If you keep getting back up, did you really fail? Like, no, I'm learning lessons because nobody knows at the end of the day when your journey is going to be done. You can look at the greatest movies, right? Pursuit of Happiness, John Q. It doesn't matter what the movie is, but there were so many obstacles. There were so many ebbs and flows, right? So many highs and lows through that movie. And you can look at it and say 27 minutes in, that was a failure, right? But it wasn't a failure because the movie wasn't over. And at the end of the movie, we're like, yeah, how did he continue to persevere, right? It was because it wasn't a failure. Just like you said, they looked at it as an opportunity and it's just another obstacle that I got to overcome. But at the end of the day, nothing's easy that's worth having, right? That's what makes it so fun if you just embrace it as another lesson, because that's how we get smarter is by the lessons that we have. And that's how we build our character is by the adversity that we go through. So another powerful way to say it. Let me ask you, now people looking at your journey, right? You got a super dope podcast. You've interviewed big name people on the podcast. You got a super dope coaching business. You're coaching men all over the world. You've been special forces and special operations, right? Because they're one and they're part of each other. But people looking at your journey now, they might say, if he could go back, since he's so much wiser now, and if he could go back and he could change one thing or If there's one thing that you wish that you would have implemented sooner to accelerate your journey and your path onto your dream, what would that one thing be? Oh, that's, that's very easy for me. It's introspection of my own emotions. Hmm. Uh, Elaborate. Yeah. Most, most men don't take the time to have interest. It's actually one of the things we fear the most. You know, you ask somebody, when's the last time you sat along with yourself for 30 minutes and people are like, "I, I don't really do that. And especially men. It's terrifying. Most men are going to say they're bad at meditation. You're not bad at meditation. You just can't sit with your own mind. That's Mm. the problem. And so this is where if I would have implemented introspection a lot earlier, I feel like my life could have been very different in in many different ways, right? Because introspection allows you to challenge your own limiting beliefs and introspection allows you to challenge your own emotions. Well, why did I get angry with this person? Why did I say that and come out and lash out at them? Why am I feeling sad right now? Oh, and you start to think about the things that happened maybe when you were a child because childhood trauma does play a big role into our beliefs as adults, right? And so you start to question your emotions and start to actually come in tune with not only your mind, but your body. And you start to figure out who you really are as a person, as a man or a woman, as a person, you start to have that introspection. And instead of now Cass and I get in an argument, right? And all of a sudden I'm being really angry with him. I'm able to step back and say, oh, wait, why am I set off by what Cass just said? You know, why does that anger me? What's deeper in me? So now instead of lashing out at other people for whatever reason, whether it's sadness or anger or anxiety or whatever, whatever that is, instead of going out ex- uh, outwardly towards the external, you start to look internal. And that's where I think if I would have started that earlier, I would have been much more successful. I probably would have started on this journey a lot earlier. I probably would have built things that I dreamed about a lot earlier because I can be creative and stuff like that. But I had a story, a limiting story that said I wasn't creative. I had a limiting story within myself that said I couldn't look at my own issues because that was me exposing my insecurities. Because there's one thing on this planet you can never do. You can do everything. You can run away from your family. You can get out of your job. You can leave all your worldly things behind. Guess what you're never going to be able to do? You can never escape yourself. Hmm. Take the time to learn that person 
that's where true happiness comes. That's where true dreams are built. That's where limitations are broken. That's where everything becomes the world that you choose it to be, not what somebody else creates for you. Man, so powerful, right? That's I, I'll be honest. I got to steal that one. Uh, there's that one thing that you can never escape, right? That's And that's the truth. And we all think that we can. We all think that if we just go to sleep, it'll all be over, <laughs> right? I need, I need a nap. And I know just sometimes we have these, and, and your energy could be bad. So we're not saying don't take breaks and don't reset and repivot. But you have to understand you got to face every emotion that you have. Because if you can face those emotions, it allows you to, again, walk naked, which just like you said earlier on the show, and that builds up your confidence. The more that you can walk naked, you're like, this is this is who I am, right? But here's at the end of the day where you can't strip from me. You can't strip my abundance mindset. You can't strip my ability to serve other people. And you can't strip my integrity, right? So because I'm going to show it every single day through my actions, not just what I'm saying. And from there, it's like, even if you, we see it all the time. And I just talked to one of my sisters last night. Her name is Tiffany Aliche. And I want to give her this plug because of what she did for me at last night in this conversation. It was a fire conversation. She's known as the budget Nista. I would encourage anybody to go look at she, I mean, she's, she's big, big following, amazing. But she was talking about the, the, the level of people who get successful and even mid-tier and high-tier people. And Chris Harder is the same way. Shout out to Chris. But just yeah. when they have that mindset of just serving at the highest level, that they're willing to have you fight them, right? Just because you are so in tune with your feelings that when they say something, it's for the betterment of you and they don't care how you feel about it. Right. That yeah. because then once you really look at it, you're like, well, why again, like you said, why am I feeling this way? Because you know that that person at the end of the day, they just want to see better for you. And we can all put ourselves in that perspective because we get our kids or our younger brothers and sisters or our nieces and nephews that get mad of us, get mad at us because we're trying to protect them. And it's not that we're trying to put a limiting belief on them because sometimes it's just, hey, we know better. Don't touch the stove yeah. because look, you're going to come out with a burned hey. hand. I'm like, I, I'm not telling you, you know, like, don't start a business. I'm saying, don't touch that. Don't go put your face in the toilet because you might get sick, right? Like there, there's so many things about that. So again, you've just given so many dope perspectives and, and actionable things of what people can do to start to understand who they are. And I think that's the foundation of everything. You can have a million business ideas. You can have 10 partners, five of them work, five don't. You can be in debt. You can have, but at the end of the day, you cannot escape yourself. Nope, absolutely not. And and there's two things to add on to that. If you, if anybody's ever listened to Dr. Joe Dispenza and one of the most beautiful things he talks about is everybody questions like uh, about meditation. When do you do it and why do you do it? Right. And like, that's come some of the big things. And Dr. Joe Dispenza does like two or three hour meditations in the morning. And what he does and his perspective behind that is he does it because he's done by the time he's done, he's done the hardest thing he will do all day. And he conquered himself. And that is very powerful because there's nothing in this external world that can bring you down faster and more effectively than yourself. And the last thing on that is you'll appreciate this being in real estate. But the most prized real estate you have is the six to eight inches between your ears. That's mm -hmm. your most prized real estate. And in today's society, people are just willfully giving it away. So if you start to have the introspection and to conquer your own self and to know your own self on a regular basis, 
you're going to keep the most prized real estate on this planet. And that's your own mind. Man, so, so powerful. So many nuggets in this. I, people need to rewind this, like rewind it. <laughs> There's so many nuggets. I, I absolutely cannot go wait to go back and put it into perspective again that allows me to comprehend and also teach the values that have come out of this episode. So it's so fire. The last question that I have for you is there's somebody out there again, and you've kind of already alluded to it, but we want some clear, concise, hopefully you can drop a value bomb, but there's somebody out there that's listening to your story. They love your story. They love your energy and your wisdom and perspective, but they have that little voice in their head and you kind of already talked about it earlier, but that little voice says that they're not strong enough. They're not smart enough, or maybe they just don't have enough resources. What's the one thing that you would leave that person with to get them to just take action. I would say that first thing I'll give them a saying here is whether you are or you aren't, you're right. Mm. Because your beliefs and what you tell yourself are always right. And they're either going to limit you or allow you to expand one or the other, but you're always right. So whether you are, or you aren't, whether you are good enough, whether you aren't good enough, you're right. It just depends on what you're telling yourself. The second piece of that, what I would give that person is that our perspectives create our outward world. Perspectives create our external environment. So if your perspective is telling you that you are not able to do something, then you need to change the perspective and start giving yourself positive affirmations. And this is where I love tools because the positive affirmations are very effective. It, it allows you to rewire that subconscious that's playing against you. It allows you to say, I am successful. I am a dreamer. I am a doer. I am a builder. I can create. When you start to write those affirmations and what I would tell every, anybody that, that's struggling with this right now, take the time to write down three affirmations for yourself on a little sticky note or on a piece of paper and tape it to your mirror and read those three affirmations to yourself every morning every morning. Don't let one go by that you don't read those affirmations. I am beautiful. I am strong. I am good. I'm a good father. I'm a good husband. I'm a good mother. Whatever it is, whatever you're struggling with, whatever is limiting you thinking that you can't succeed in whatever it is you want to do in this world, write that affirmation to counter that thought and read that out loud every day. And guess what? That is going to become your reality. I promise you so many people have done this and been very effective in doing this. And this is how you start to, to rewire that subconscious. This is how you start to create different synaptic connections so that your mind believes you are whatever it is that you say you are. Man, so powerful. Only I, I want to, man, that right there is the best way to end the show. And I just want to piggyback or, or, you know, just add to that. I a hundred percent agree. But the other thing about it is once you tell yourself, I am a great husband, then what you're going to start to do is not only rewire, but when you come across a crossroad, you're going to say, okay, well, what would a great husband do? Right. Yep. Because you're like, I am a great husband. Yeah. You know what? I am. I'm a great seed. Right. And just some bad soul. So what would a great husband do? Well, a great husband would probably tell his wife that I'm sorry. Or a great husband would probably get some flowers or some roses, you know, and put that ego aside. Or would probably say, hey, this Friday night, I'm not going to go out drinking with the guys. You know, I'm going to actually take my wife to a, a dinner and a movie because that's what's more important. So you'll start to rewire your thinking, but then also your actions will lead you to the result of, again, I am 
am a great husband or I am a great father. What would a great father do? Well, a great father would probably not put his hands on his kid and they would figure out what is the perspective to lead you to, to make this decision, right? So I can better understand you. I can show this empathy and I could say, hey, son, what? Here's why I probably would not have made that decision. Again, you made it. It's a lesson learned. I'm learning lessons every single day. So I'm not perfect. I'm your best friend. I'm going to be here to champion you. But the next time, and I do this all the time with my son. So I'm not just speaking in theory. When he does like, he always treats Jada like she's nine when she's three. So he'll go jumping off the couch and then Jada will jump off the couch. We just had this two nights ago. And then she hits her head and I'm like, oh, no. oh my God. CJ, here's why I would not have made that decision, right? You've been playing football, basketball. You understand what your instincts can do. She's never even played a sport yet. So she doesn't understand that. And he's like, okay, right? And so just continuing to expose him to using his own brain and rewiring the decisions that he's about to make. That's so powerful. My brother, this has been a phenomenal conversation. We're going to make sure that we put links to everything, the books that you've dropped, as well as your podcast, everything. But for anybody who just wants to stay connected with you, where can they find you at? I appreciate that, brother. And this has been a blast. And as always, every conversation with you is. So I just truly appreciate you always bringing that forward and bringing that out in me too. You always make me want to have these great conversations. So thank you. If anybody wants to stay in touch, you can uh, check me out on uh, IG, which is johnny.lsasser, E-L-S-A-S-S-E-R. Shoot me a DM if there's any questions you got or you want any new tools. I'm more than happy to help you guys out. I love talking with the community and anything I can do to help your community cast would be honored to do it. So just reach out to me there. And then if you guys want to go check out a website and you can look at johnnylsasser.com and just go take a look and see what I got going on. And you can follow along with the podcast or the experiences that I've created and stuff and see what that's all about. So. Yeah, absolutely. And for anybody who loves experiences, I know in 2021, especially if we can do it in a warm place, because I told Kyle the same thing, if we can do it in a warm place, you can count me in. And so I know that you put on some dope experiences for men to be able to have that vulnerability, but at the same time, be able to get those exciting bucket list things out. And it's all about the experiences that we have in life. And so definitely, if you're just wondering what that is, we'll leave it suspenseful. Go <laughs> to the website, check it out. And you're probably going to, yo, I got to get in on that next one and it's definitely worth it not only for the experience but also for the community and so again my brother i appreciate you if no one else has told you yet today i want to say thank you and again i appreciate you your, your value in this world is well needed and just remember dream nation just as he said you have to take action because otherwise that dream that you have you'll never transition over to being a doer but more importantly that dream will only merely be a fantasy that's all for this one. We'll catch you on the next one. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.